do you do you tend to be worried or content worried or content i my temperament and my personality tends to lean toward worried um and i believe i'm probably in good company i remember when I was a young teenager, traveling with my dad and mom in evangelistic work, and um, I don't remember why, but for some reason we were at the, at the church where we were holding a revival meeting. We were there in the middle of the day one day, and, and the pastor was there uh, with one of his little children, his little son, was probably three, four years old, you know, one of these little ankle biters, and... Um, we had all of our equipment and sound equipment and uh, instruments and, you know, keyboard and guitar and whatever. We had it all on the platform. And this, this little ankle biter was just running around here and there. And my dad and the pastor were just talking just oblivious to what was going on. And, of course, I knew somebody had to take responsibility for the expensive uh, equipment and for the little boy who was running uh, riotously around uh, the, the sanctuary and the platform. And so I, I was quite concerned over what was going on. I was worried. What is it that messes up your world? What is it that disturbs you to where you think, oh, Things, this is not going to be okay. You know, we spend our life often trying to manage outcomes. Trying to manage outcomes. In other words, uh, we involve ourselves so much in the minutia of day-to-day affairs and what's happening around us. Uh, we think, oh, if this happens, it's going to just mess everything up and, and it's going to create a great problem for me. But if it doesn't happen or if I can somehow keep control of this circumstance, then everything will be okay. And I can, I can relax. This is not part of the message this morning, but can I just remind you where peace comes from? Some of you have heard me say this before. We have peace not by trying to make good things happen or by trying to avoid bad things. That just results in a greater degree of stress and worry in our lives. But rather, we have peace when we relinquish control of the outcomes of our life to the hands of a good God, and we rest and we trust in Him. I want to point your attention this morning to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, and as we look at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, to ask a few questions. You know, there are four basic questions about life that any, any worldview, any religion or ideology needs to answer. The first question is this, what is the nature of reality? The second is, who is well off? The third, who is a really good person? And four, what is my purpose in being here on this planet? Any any religion, any worldview, any system of ideology or thought must answer at least a variation of those questions. 
Well, the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus deals with at least two of these questions. And we want to look at this one this morning. And that is, who is well off? Who is really a well off person? Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he, that is Jesus, went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Whoopee! Right? Isn't that the way we think and feel when things go wrong and bad things happen in our lives? Whoopee! Well, that's what Jesus says. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's bow our hearts for just one more moment of prayer. Father, again, we thank you for the awareness of the reality that you are with us this morning. You are present in our lives. You are present in this building. Lord, we are desirous of of not just the idea, knowing the idea that you are everywhere present and there's nowhere we can get away from your presence, but Lord, we especially desire the manifest presence of your Holy Spirit, that you come for your special purpose to talk to our hearts, to deal with us about the sore places in our lives, that we would do business with you. Lord, we pray that everything said and done will be to your honor and glory. Hide us behind the cross. May you and your word be seen and heard. And Lord, give us a heart to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus gives us a list of people who are blessed, blessed, blessed. Are you a blessed person? Depends on perspective for most of us how we answer that question. It has gotten to be a very uh, popular, may not be the right word, but a very common response among especially among Christians these days, when you interact with others and say, how are you doing today? And, and many will say, oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. A typical understanding of blessedness often has to do with circumstances. And when people ask us how we are doing and, and we respond, oh, I'm blessed, we are often referring to, to the fact that we've had a a good day, 
maybe a good night's sleep the night before, and we more or less are feeling good, and life seems good, and so we are blessed. That was the common understanding all throughout the history of the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New. Do you remember Job and his friends who came to comfort and help him in his affliction? Of course, you remember all of the things that went wrong in Job's life, how in the space of about a day he lost everything that was of value and everything that was of meaning in his life. And then his friends came and stared at him for a few days. That would be enough to drive anybody crazy. And then after just looking at him for a few days, they said, Job, there must be sin in your life. Otherwise, all of these bad things would not have come upon you. You remember the story in the Gospel of John chapter 9 of the man who was born blind and the disciples wanting to understand this idea. You see, the typical understanding was then, and I believe in, in most people, the majority of the population, the typical understanding is that if good things are happening, we are blessed. And if bad things are going on in our lives, then there's a problem. We're not blessed. And the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, who was it that sinned? Was it this man or was it his parents that caused him to be born blind? Often that is the typical understanding. If you have good circumstances, you are blessed. You are well off. And bad circumstances means you are not blessed. The word that is used here and translated as blessed is the word makarios. And uh, as I have read and as I understand about what this word means, uh, it refers to the highest type of well-being possible for human beings. Now that's a pretty high bar, isn't it? The highest type of well-being possible. In other words, if you, according to this meaning, someone asks you how you are doing and you say, I'm blessed. You are saying, oh, I'm as good as I can possibly be. Couldn't be any better. In the Greek culture, it was also the term that they used for the kind of blissful existence that they believed was characteristic of the pantheon of gods that they believed in pretty high bar. A, a literal interpretation in our English uh, vernacular would be something like this. Oh, the happiness. It's an exclamatory statement. Oh, the happiness of the person, of the individual. And then it goes on to, to list. Jesus gives us this list of people in, in categories and conditions that we don't typically associate with being blessed. Oh, the happiness of the poor in spirit. Oh, the happiness of they who mourn. It's not usually how we think of this. Most, most of us, read these, and we, we don't think about this, this literal interpretation of this happiness. We usually think of blessedness as maybe something that's going to come along someday, by and by, uh, way off in the future, perhaps. As we do read them, 
we often read them as conditions for blessedness. Many of the books that you can read of people who have studied uh, and, and some he have even written commentaries about the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, read these as conditions. If I, and we, we think, oh, if I want to be blessed, then I, I need to be poor in spirit. And so we try to be poor in spirit. Or we try to be people who are mournful somehow. And I, this, this thought of the Beatitudes and reading them as conditions for blessedness has long troubled me, has long bothered me. But that's usually the way we think. The reality is the people that Jesus is calling blessed would have been thought to be unblessable people, both in the the time and culture that Jesus was talking to, and also, by and large, in the time and the culture that we live in. There are people who are thought to be unblessable. Luke's version. Incidentally, the the Sermon on the Mount, it, it is the heart, it is the core of Jesus' overall teaching. If you want to know Jesus' philosophy and his understanding of life and how life in God's kingdom ought to work, read and study the Sermon on the Mount. Luke's gospel, he has a version of this that some have called the Sermon on the Plain, and I believe his version of the core of Jesus' message makes this point even more clearly, the fact that we should not see the Beatitudes as conditions for blessedness. Luke chapter 6, verse 20, it says, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. And, and some of us may want to say, yeah, Luke is just, he's just giving us a, a bird's eye view. He's not going into as much detail as Matthew did in his version of the, of the sermon, the teaching that Jesus gave. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you. And then Jesus goes on to add a list of woe-bees. You know, Matthew, you have the beatitude, you have the blessed are you who. Well, Luke records those, but he also gives us the woe-bees. Woe be to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Have any of you laughed lately? Uh Uh-oh. Some of you might be in trouble. You, You might be in danger of losing the blessing of God. Is that what we believe? No, that's not what we believe. You, you see, Luke gives us these four basic categories of people, the poor, the hungry, the grief-stricken, those hated and hurt because of associating with Jesus. And he calls them blessed. Blessed are you. And you see, the reality is these were exactly the kinds of people that were surrounding Jesus as he was teaching. 
Is Jesus somehow saying that these conditions are meritorious in themselves? Or is he somehow saying that we're supposed to spiritualize these qualities and make them into something else? For example, poor in spirit, maybe that means something about humility and, and you know, we spiritualize these qualities. You see, the reality is there have been plenty of people in these categories all throughout history. The poor, the hungry, the grief-stricken, and many of them have remained as ungodly as sin. Right? So they don't mean, just because you're poor and hungry and grief-stricken doesn't mean automatically that you are blessed by God because of those conditions in your life. There have also been many who, because of being reproached for Jesus' sake, have turned against him and become embittered against God and against his people. And I think it's fair for us to look at these categories and say, that does not mean in and of itself that you are blessed or you will be blessed. Contrary, if we look at the woes in Luke that we talked about, most of us know people who are not poor, hungry, and grief-stricken. In fact, I would say that by and large, the majority of us here can put ourselves in categories where we would say, you know, compared to the general population of the world, we are rich. We rarely, if ever, go hungry. That's fairly evident for most of us. We, we rarely, if ever, go hungry. And for the most part, we don't live in a perpetual state of grief or mourning. Yet many people that have that as their reality trust in Jesus with their whole hearts. They love God and, and their neighbor and they endeavor through God's grace and power to do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with their God. And anybody would have a hard time looking at their lives and saying that they are not blessed by God because they aren't poor, hungry, and grief-stricken. And on top of all of that, to see these as conditions that we ought to meet in order to be blessed by God would mean that we could earn this blessedness that Jesus is talking about. And what place would that leave for grace to be operative in our lives? The Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of your not of works, lest any man should boast. So whatever the Beatitudes mean, it cannot be that they state conditions for us to receive God's blessing. So the question is then, where is the blessing? What is the blessing that Jesus is talking about? And we come to understand this a little more clearly when we look at Jesus' gospel, the message that Jesus preached. I don't know what you think of when you hear the word gospel. To most, I believe, both in and out of the church, it probably has something to do with believing in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross so that we can have our sins forgiven and we get to go to heaven when we die. And that's the gospel. But it is worth us considering, is that really the gospel that Jesus preached? Why was Jesus 
announcement, good news. We can look at this a little more closely if we back up a little bit and go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This, people, is the gospel, the good news that Jesus came preaching. It was not necessarily that Jesus died. At this point, he hadn't yet died. It wasn't necessarily about the fact that we could have our sins forgiven so we can go to heaven when we die, but it was the kingdom of God is here. Not near, but here. It's here now. And down in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 4, It tells us that Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And what was the gospel of the kingdom? Simply that it's here. It's available. You can enter into it and live in it. We see this as we look, we we understand by looking at Matthew chapter 23, why this was a big deal. Matthew chapter 23 Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of his day, and one of the things that he says, Matthew 23, verse 13, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. And who are the people that had been shut out and left out of God's kingdom? It was all of these people in all of these categories that were considered to be unblessable because of the circumstances, the conditions of their lives. Do you remember what happened in Matthew chapter 11 when some of uh, the disciples, the followers of John the Baptist, came to Jesus and they said, uh, Lord, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? What do you suppose caused them to ask that question? It was their circumstances. John the Baptist had been imprisoned. He was in danger of losing his head, which we know he very shortly thereafter did. And Jesus answered them. And what did he tell them? He said, go and tell John what you hear and see. Basically, that all of these people in these categories that were considered unblessables, they are receiving the good news. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So you see, friends, blessedness is found in the kingdom of God, and it is open to all regardless of circumstances. So you see, the point of the Beatitudes for us to remember is simply this, that there is no one, no matter their circumstances or conditions, to whom we cannot say, blessed are you, because the kingdom of heaven is open and available for you to step into. Also, there is no circumstance of mine and no circumstance of yours that is able to cancel out the blessedness of being alive in the kingdom of God. This is 
where this message hit home for me this week. Because I've got to be honest with you and tell you that lately I have spent time thinking about my circumstances and wondering where God is in the midst of my circumstances. Someone said the darkest place you can be is when you look at all of your problems, the circumstances in your life, and you can't see God present anywhere in your circumstances. But people, the reminder for us this morning is that if we are alive in the kingdom of God, we are blessed people. The blessing is available because of being able to step into God's kingdom. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, what beatitude would you write? What beatitude would you write? Blessed are the fill in the blank. And it needs to be someone who is unblessable by the world's standards or by our typical way of thinking could you say this morning blessed are the stressed out blessed are the anxious and depressed blessed are the physically repulsive blessed are those who smell bad blessed are those who are too big or too little or too fat or too skinny or too old what condition can you think of that you could put in that line you see it turns out to be actually true that earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal And the reality is, friends, we are not blessed because of circumstances or conditions in our life, but we are blessed in spite of them. We are blessed in spite of our circumstances and conditions because of the availability of the kingdom of God. When Jesus came preaching the good news, he came preaching the gospel, he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. You can step into it. You can live in it now. And we don't wait until we die to join God's kingdom. We don't wait until eternity has begun to join God's kingdom. But rather, when we come to God through Christ, we receive him as our Savior. We make him the Lord of our kingdom. We may be talking about this more in the next few weeks, but did you know you have a kingdom? And I have a kingdom. And to be alive in God's kingdom is to take up my kingdom and to offer it up to him and say, Lord, I want you to be the ruler of my kingdom. It's not my kingdom anymore, but it is your kingdom. And that's what it is to be alive in God's kingdom. This morning, friends, I believe some of us need to perhaps think about the people that we tend to look down our noses at or perhaps say derogatory things about and be reminded that they are blessed. Say, oh, preacher, I don't say derogatory things about anybody. Well, I hope not, but I've got to tell you, when I'm transparent, I can think of a few times that I've 
thought of ways people have responded to me or treated me, and, and my thoughts towards them were less than kind when I walked away. And I walked away thinking, how dare they act like that towards me? I'm a nice guy. We walk away instead reminded that they are blessed because of the availability of God's kingdom. Some of us may need to think about people that we consider to be past hope of ever being saved. If you think about this, it will change the way you go through your prayer list. Because if any of you are like me, you may have people that have been on your prayer list for a long time. And you've seen their lives, rather than move in God's direction, you've seen them deteriorate and go farther and farther away from God. And can you, in your prayer time, look at that person's name and think, blessed are you? Whether they know it or not, they may not know it yet. But they are blessed because of the availability of God's kingdom. And then some of us may need to turn our attention away from our daily circumstances, our day-to-day life, the problems that we deal with, and the things that cause us to grumble and groan because of the weight that we are under. And we need to think about how blessed we are, not because of our circumstances, but in spite of them. Can I encourage you in these next few weeks, really it ought to be every day, but especially in these next few weeks as we think about Thanksgiving that is coming and we want it to be more than Turkey Day or more than Football Day or whatever it is that you and your family have tended to make of it, but to be a, something that directs the trajectory of our life that we are people who are grateful because we understand we are blessed. Regardless of our circumstances, good or bad, we are blessed because of the availability of God's kingdom. We can step into it and we can live in it now. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will help us to see the blessedness that we enjoy to learn with the Apostle Paul whatever state we are in, to be content. That blessing is not because good things are happening and we're avoiding bad things, but blessing is because we are alive in Christ. Lord, we pray that you will help us to walk in the light of this truth and we will give you praise for what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. You are dismissed.